Good evening, everybody, and welcome back to the Haunted Collection with your host, writer, paranormal investigator, and haunted collector, Kevin Kane, here to bring you more tales of terror, stories of the macabre and ghostly. Before we get started with our creepy tales for this episode, I want to remind you, as always, to check out myhaunteddolls.com and visit our store. All of my books are out there that I've written and published. If you want your autographed copy today, be sure to check it out there. I have a couple of non-fiction ghost story collections, and uh, one of them being the book about the haunted items in my collection, the haunted dolls and paintings and other items. It's called My Haunted Collection. And if you like that, there's a sequel, a follow-up book called My Haunted Collection, The Dark Side, which explores the items in my collection with more terrifying backstories. So be sure to check those out. There's even a bumper sticker out there if you'd like to have one for your car. Also, there's a link to my YouTube channel where you can watch the videos of evidence I've captured over the last several years from the haunted items in my collection. There are live feeds, live shows, and anything else you can think of at My Haunted Dolls on YouTube. Don't miss that. Be sure to check it out. I have some creepy EVPs and videos, spirit box sessions out there that might mystify you. And now, without any further delay, let's go ahead and get started with our first story. Have you ever been in the home of a person who does taxidermy? That's like stuffing things like birds, foxes. Coyotes, different types of animals. In some of your more grotesque car movies, there are even times when people are taxidermied. Like Norman Bates and his mother, for example. But I digress. This is a story that involves something to do with taxidermy. And this is called Stuffed Dog. There was a young boy named Theodore who was visiting his grandmother's house. He hated his grandmother, but his parents forced him to go. His grandfather had died recently, and his grandmother was very lonely. She needed someone to keep her company. Theodore couldn't stand the old lady. She bored him with her endless talk. She constantly asked him to do chores. She insisted on giving him disgusting kisses on the cheek. And, worst of all, she smelled like pee. He also hated his grandmother's house. It was boring, and there was never anything to do. 
place was stuffed with old books and creepy statues. The beds were lumpy and uncomfortable. She didn't even have electricity, and every room was lit by candles. The thing he made it, the thing that he hated most of all was the stuffed dog that his grandmother kept in the library. She said it was her husband's dog and that it had stood by him always. So, when the dog died, she had it stuffed and placed in her husband's favorite room, the library. Whenever Theodore saw the stuffed dog, it creeped him out. He could not stand the sight of it. The wretched thing made his skin crawl with its snarling, evil face, its beady eyes, and its mangy, greasy fur. That night, when his grandmother was going to bed, she wanted to light the candles in her room. She could not find any matches, so she asked Theodore to go downstairs to find some. Theodore gritted his teeth and swallowed his anger. He was irritated by all the chores that she asked him to do. He walked downstairs and went into the library. It was dark, and he searched through the cupboards and drawers. Eventually, he found the matches. Just then, he thought he heard a strange sound. It sounded like a low growl. Theodore turned and looked at the stuffed dog in the corner. The dog stared back at him with glassy eyes. He hated that dog. It bugged him so much that he thought of a way to get back at it. He struck one of the matches and shoved it in the stuffed dog's face, burning off its whiskers. Theodore's grandmother heard a terrible scream. She ran downstairs and rushed into the library. Theodore lay sprawled on the ground, his eyes wide open and his face twisted in a look of terror. He was dead. She immediately called the police. Later, as the ambulance carried him off, she shook her head sadly and said, He looks just like my husband did when he died. Unseen by anyone in the darkness of the library, the stuffed dog sat very still, and there was a trickle of blood dripping down from its mouth. You've probably heard the old adage to have respect for the deceased. 
Well, that includes animals, too. So next time you're in someone's home and they have a stuffed animal or two or lying about, be sure to be very respectful around them so you don't end up like Theodore. <laughs> and speaking of respect for the dead, this next story is for you lovers of zombie tales and voodoo scares out there listening. I think you'll have a nice little delight with this creepy story I'm about to share. This is called Rise Up. Nobody in town ever knew whether to believe old man Jenkins or not. He would sit in the pub telling wild stories. He would brag about himself and tell anyone who would listen about how brave he was. He told them he didn't have any fear of ghosts or ghouls or spirits of the dead. He said he was the bravest man in the world. He claimed that every night on his way home, he would take a shortcut through the cemetery. While he was walking, he would shout out so the dead would hear, Rise up! Rise up! He would say, Rise up, bloody bones, and dance! According to old man Jenkins, the dead bodies would rise up out of their graves, their dusty bones clinking and clacking, and their dried flesh dangling as they danced around in the moonlight. The townspeople did not believe old man Jenkins' tall tales, but none of them were willing to follow him into the cemetery at night to prove him wrong. As time went by, people grew sick and tired of hearing his wild stories. One cold, windy night, just at the end of autumn, old man Jenkins set off for a midnight stroll in the cemetery. The moon was full that night, just the way old man Jenkins liked it because he could see the white bones dancing in the light. He walked from his house down a shadowy path that led to the old cemetery where people from town had been buried for the last 200 years. There were some new bones in that graveyard, but most of them were old. Old Man Jenkins walked straight through the wrought iron gates of the cemetery. The crumbling tombstones looked ghostly and foreboding in the moonlight. He walked to the middle of the graveyard and stopped. He listened to the wind whistling through the trees. Rise up, rise up, he shouted. Rise up, bloody bones, and shake. And all around him in the graveyard, 
the old dusty bones in their graves began to stir. Rise up, bloody bones, he said again, even louder. And the old bones sat up and then stood up and then rose out of their graves. Rise up and shake, old man Jenkins said in his powerful voice. Those old bloody bones rose up and began to shake all around old man Jenkins in the moonlight. The wind blew them around and made their bony hands claw at the air and their feet dance on the soggy ground of the cemetery. Old man Jenkins stood where he was, never moving. He felt big and strong, making these old bones shake like that. Rise up and shake, bloody bones, old man Jenkins said again, just so he could hear the sound of his own voice carrying on the wind. The bony skeletons seemed to jump in the air at his command, and they shook even more. Finally, old man Jenkins had had enough, and he let the old bones crawl back into their graves to rest. He started to walk back out of the graveyard toward home when he stumbled over an old skull and fell down. Old man Jenkins picked himself up, brushed off his clothes, and looked down at the skull. It was staring right back at him, its old teeth grinning in the moonlight. Old man Jenkins went from one house to the next, pounding on the doors and telling everybody that he had found the skull that talked. The people got dressed and came out of their houses, grouchy and rubbing their eyes. They all thought old man Jenkins was just telling another one of his lies. But he insisted that he was telling the truth. All they had to do was follow him to the graveyard, and he'd show them the skull that talked. Listen, I guarantee you I'm not lying, old man Jenkins said, and I promise you that if that skull does not talk, you can lock me in the graveyard all night. Most of the people just laughed at what old man Jenkins said. But one man, who did not like him at all, went and got a big, strong padlock from his house. He brought it along with him as the group of townspeople followed old man Jenkins to the graveyard in the windy, cold night. As they came near the tall, wrought iron gates of the cemetery, old man Jenkins could see the skull lying on the path just inside the graveyard. He walked up to it 
while the rest of the people gathered around the gates. Old Man Jenkins looked down at the skull and said in his loudest, most powerful voice, Talk! But the skull just lay there on the path and grinned up at him. He gave it a hard kick. It bounced over closer to where the people were standing. But the skull just stared back up at him and grinned. The townspeople began muttering to each other in angry voices. It bounced high in the air and landed not far from the man with the padlock. The townspeople were getting impatient. They were tired and weary, and the wind was cutting through them like a knife. Eventually, they had enough of old man Jenkins and his lies. They slammed the high, wrought-iron gates of the graveyard shut, locked them tight, and headed back home. Old Man Jenkins heard the creaking of the gates as they closed. He ran over, grabbed hold of the bars, and began to shake them. He started yelling at the people to let him out, but they could not hear him. The sound of the wind blowing through the trees was so loud that it drowned out his cries. And then, old man Jenkins heard a voice behind him, a low, gravelly voice, a voice that sounded like it had clawed its way up out of the grave. Rise up! Rise up! It croaked. Rise up and dance. Old man Jenkins felt his body begin to shake. He could not control himself. His limbs flailed wildly and he started dancing. He shook himself back and forth, to and fro. He shook himself all night as the icy wind blew around him. He shook himself in the lonely graveyard as the skeletons watched in the moonlight. He shook himself all night until he finally danced himself to death. So, kitties, let that be another example of how you should always respect the dead and leave their bones to rest in peace. <laughs> and now we have one time for one more tale, a story from beyond the grave about how friendship lasts eternally. This is called Friends Forever. There were two 15-year-old girls named Alice and Sarah who had been best friends since early childhood. 
They lived in the same neighborhood, attended the same school, and went to the same classes. In short, they were inseparable. However, they were very different characters. While Alice was cheerful and outgoing, Sarah was very shy and quiet. One day, Sarah and Alice were talking about their friendship. Do you think we'll be best friends forever? asked Alice. I think so, replied Sarah. Why wouldn't we? I don't know, said Alice. Sometimes when people get older, they grow apart. Well, I have an idea, said Sarah. Let's take a blood oath. A what? asked Sarah, surprised at the idea. A blood oath, said Sarah. Look, we both have to swear that we will be best friends forever. If we ever lose touch, we both swear that we will do everything we can to make sure we will be together forever. That's nonsense, Sarah, said Alice. We won't lose touch. We'll always be together. But Sarah continued to insist, and with a mixture of amazement and amusement, Alice finally agreed to the proposal. Sarah found two needles and handed one to Alice. The girls took a piece of paper and wrote, Best Friends Forever, on the top, and then signed their names at the bottom. They lit a candle and heated the tips of the two needles in the flame. Taking their needles, both girls pricked their index fingers and each smeared a drop of blood next to their signature. Their blood oath was now sealed. As the years passed, the girls grew up and left school. Alice went away to college in another city while Sarah stayed in their hometown and got a job in a local store. Both of them got boyfriends and fell in love. The girls still kept in touch by phone, calling each other at least once a week. When Alice had completed her law degree, she got a good job and decided to get married. The couple bought a house and settled down. A few years later, they had a beautiful baby boy. Alice was so busy with her family that she rarely found time to call Sarah. It was not long before the phone calls stopped completely and the friends lost touch with each other. Although Alice would sometimes still think about her best friend from her youth, she never took the trouble to pick up the phone and call her. In the end, life had led the two women down different paths, and they had not seen each other since they left school. One night, Alice had a horrible nightmare. She was driving along an endless highway when suddenly a truck in front of her began to swerve into her lane.
The truck skidded and then collided with her car. She woke up suddenly, soaked in sweat. Just as she was trying to calm herself down, she heard her front doorbell ringing. She glanced at the clock by her bedside and realized it was after 3 a.m. Her husband was fast asleep on the other side of the bed. At that moment, the doorbell rang again, insistently. Wondering who would be coming to visit at that time of the night, Alice got up, threw on her nightgown, and went downstairs. When she opened the front door, she was shocked to see a woman standing on the porch. The woman was terribly pale, extremely haggard, and had a huge, bleeding wound on her forehead. Although she had changed a lot, Alice recognized her immediately. It was her old friend, Sarah. Oh my God, Sarah, what happened? She cried. Sarah just stared at her. Come in out of the rain, said Alice. Are you hurt? Sarah did not move from where she was. What's wrong, Sarah? pleaded Alice. Long time no see, Alice, hissed Sarah. I've come to fulfill my promise. I've come to tell you I died. Alice was speechless. Sarah held up her hand and pointed at Alice with her index finger. Her finger was dripping blood. Life has separated us, Sarah continued, but we will be together in death. I'll be waiting. Alice fainted and collapsed on the ground. The next morning, when Alice woke up, she found that she was lying in her bed next to her husband. She rubbed her eyes and wondered if the events of last night had all just been a bad dream. At breakfast, she turned on the television, and what she saw chilled her to the bone. The local newscaster was saying that the night before at 3 a.m., there had been a fatal traffic accident. A truck had collided with a car on the highway. The driver of the car had been killed on impact. The driver of the car was a woman named Sarah. From that moment on, Alice's life became a living hell. She barely ate a thing. She forgot to pick up her child from school. And when she went to work, she could not concentrate on her job. Every night, she had the same terrible dream. She would awake to the sound of the front doorbell ringing. She would open the door and find Sarah standing there, her bloody index finger pointing straight at Alice. Each time, she said the same thing. I'll be waiting. 
each morning, Alice awoke in a cold sweat. She looked down at her bedsheets, and they would be streaked with blood. She felt an excruciating pain in her finger, and when she looked, her finger was covered in blood. Her husband did not understand what was happening. He took his wife to see a doctor and a psychiatrist, but neither of them could find any explanation. Alice's condition only grew worse, and in her nightmares, she began seeing Sarah standing at her bedside, pointing with her bleeding finger. One night, the husband was awakened by a dreadful noise. It was the sound of breaking glass. He ran out to the bathroom and discovered that the window was broken. Peering outside, he saw Alice lying on the sidewalk, her limbs askew. The horrified man rushed downstairs and out the front door. There was a pool of blood around his wife's head. Beside her, on the pavement, someone had written in her blood the words, Friends Forever. Well, boys and ghouls, I mean girls, I hope you enjoyed these frightening tales from beyond the grave of ghosts and bloody bones, vengeful animal spirits, and friends forever. Well, until the next time, I hope you have a good chilling time. I hope you've enjoyed these tales as much as I've enjoyed sharing them. Again, be sure to stop by my website at myhaunteddolls.com and buy a book or two today, or three or four, (laughs) and I'll be sure to autograph those for you. They're also available on Amazon, Books A Million, Barnes & Noble, eBook, Kindle, and there's also a few on Audible, on Audiobook, if that's your pleasure. But please be sure to check those out and my YouTube channel, My Haunted Dolls. Well, until the next time, be sure to keep those doors and windows locked. Keep checking behind you and under your beds and in the closets. Make sure there's no dancing bloody bones. Stay away from those taxidermied animals and be careful of your friends. But by all means, have a happy haunting. (laughs) 